everybody, and welcome back to Manga Marriage at Movies, where there is only one truth, which is not as your cat phrases, one truth prevails. Which truth do you believe, the Lord GTZ? Um, the truth that that doesn't use the name changes, I guess? I guess. I mean, though, I, I do prefer one truth prevails over there's only one truth. Yes, I suppose one truth prevails truly does prevail. Sorry, I guess there isn't only one truth. What there is, though, is a movie that we're going to talk about today. Yet another Detective Conan movie, the 19th one, Sunflowers of Inferno. Yay. The 2015 Detective Conan movie. We have previously covered the 20th movie and episode 1, which is a TV special. Now we're covering this, and as we mentioned earlier, we do indeed intend to cover all the Detective Conan movies that TMS is dubbing and kind of casually, unceremoniously releasing on... Amazon Video and digital platforms barely promoting them. They, they make one tweet and it's like, hey, it's out. This, this Not... movie is out. Oh yeah, we're moving backwards for some reason. I think that makes sense. You start with the most recent ones and go back. But where's Fist the Blue Sapphire, huh? I really do think they're saving the most most recent movies for theatrical screenings. Ugh, they better be. Yes, I mean, I want to see... The Scarlet Bullet in the heater. Yeah, the that's the, new, that's the one coming out soon. That's going to be about the Kai family. That looks neat. Yeah, that, that should be interesting. Mari, Sarah, and Sarah are fighting a Kai in his Ukiya disguise. That's interesting. I want to see that scene. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> why though? <laughs> that, that's just what I'm wondering for that movie. Why? I don't know, maybe they suspect him being behind something, some sort of misunderstanding happens, as is often the case in crossover team-up type movies, you know. Like, why did Amuro and Akai have to have a fist fight on top of the Ferris wheel so, in Darkest Nightmare? So Darkest Nightmare could have one cool fight to have us ignore all the other... Exactly, and I'm sure that's... That's the excuse in this one, too. There's going to be some contrivance to give an excuse for Akai to fight his sister and mother. I guess so. <laughs> but this movie does not have Akai or the Akai family in it. Or the Black Memorization or Amuro. No, this is a Kaito Kid film. Yeah, and uh, while well, I'm not a big fan of Kaito Kid... Really? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think he's kind of overrated. I think he's overpraised. Uh, he's just a wannabe Lupin. But he's got so much style and flash and pizzazz. I think he had some of the best episodes. I mean, man, that iconic introduction scene in his first episode is one of the best scenes in the entire show. IMO. And does he beat the Heiji episodes, though? Well... The thing that I like about Kaito is Kaito is special. Kaito doesn't show up that much. He shows up maybe for a two-parter every hundred episodes. But Heiji, you know, Heiji shows up quite a bit. So he's less special in that regard. He's still a good character. But when a Kaito shows up, that's an event. 
Hmm. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. But nah, I mean, like, I think generally Conan movies are best when they don't try to move forward the plot without moving forward the plot or mm. focusing on the black organization. Yeah, basically any black organization movie then. Because yeah. you can't, they're so integral to the plot, but you can't do anything in terms of progressing the plot, so them showing up just kind of demystifies their danger more than anything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, like, I think with, say, this movie, it uh just had fun with the, the fact that it's Conan and it could be uh, ridiculous. Like, yeah, and crashing a kid. plane into a airport. <laughs> I mean, those that was intense, too. And what I like about this is, like... You know, obviously, I know these characters aren't going to die in this movie, but, like, this danger they found themselves in was more, like, palpable and, like, intense in a way that got me engaged in the film than in Darkest Nightmare, which was just too over-the-top ridiculous. Even though this is also over-the-top, it's also ridiculous when you think about it. But, like, the presentation of it just felt like, more believable as danger than, like, a Ferris wheel, like, being derailed and then stopped by Conan inflating a giant soccer ball. Yeah. Which, to be fair, he does use the giant soccer ball in this movie, But it too. doesn't get as big, you know? It's just... I guess. It explodes, though, and it, like, creates, like, a... Yeah, but that was only, like, a medium-sized one. And then at the end, he inflates a big one to, like, lift himself yeah. up That's like from the river. like a water floaty. Yeah. And I thought that was a good use of it. I mean, instead of, like, inflating it to such a giant size, it cushions a giant Ferris wheel. Yeah. It's it's funny, too, because, like, this movie's done by the same writer and director as Darkest Nightmare. Yeah. But it's a way better film. Yes. It is by the same director and writer. You're right. Yeah, so what happened, guys? Why, why did you mess up with Darkest Nightmare? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and this is not their first rodeo with Conan films. I mean, Darkest Nightmare certainly wasn't, because they had this, and they had many films before this. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Dark, I think really it is that the fact that you have to use black organization characters, and you have to create a mystery... Well, not even do that. You have to create a conflict using them in a way that they are danger, but they can't actually interact with the characters is just less interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. And I think it helps that Kaito Kid's role in this film, I think a lot of the original characters in this film that you focus on are actually interesting. Well, yeah, Like I'd in movie 20, Darkest Nightmare, you know, Kurosawa, you know, I got her arc. I got her archetype pretty quickly early on. And she's an amnesia. She doesn't have much personality to speak of. She just learns to like those kids and realizes, oh, I can be more than one color. I can change my color. And some See, that's another thing, is that the message, the theme of the movie was so on the nose in a goofy way that it took me out of it. Here, it's just a very sweet story, honestly, at the core, is that Kaito Kid is trying to stop these works of art from being destroyed because he wants to help his friend and assistant, G, help his friend be able to see the painting that her lover sacrificed himself to save. And it's like a very sweet 
kind of motivation for these characters. And we learned the most shocking reveal of all. G was a Chad. <laughs> he was. Like, he, he saved that lady when the, their house was on fire. And her husband was unfortunately, you know, injured and then burning away in the flames, you know. You know, G's yeah. a good, was a good dude. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, when you think about the stakes of this movie are lower than Darkest Nightmare to a degree. And that, like, yeah, it's not involving the black organization or stuff like that. But, like, the fact that, like, there's still this sense of tension and it's more effective than Darkest Nightmare. Yeah. I think really does, uh, uh, it's a testament to the framing of the film. Yeah, I mean, they are in danger. Like, they do nearly die. They're in mortal danger. It's in the Darkest Nightmare, they are as well. A couple of characters are mainly, you know, Amaro and Reyna. And then, by extension, because Conan and co. get involved, like, a bunch of people are in danger when the Ferris wheel is derailed and whatnot. <laughs> and here, though, there are several times where characters nearly die. And, yeah, you feel like it's intense, even though the motivation is core is not necessarily kill people. The killing people is just, like, a byproduct of the villain's true goal, which is to destroy the paintings. But... Yeah, I mean, that plane crash scene is intense. It is, like, we were, like, screaming, what the fuck, during that, because it was, like, legit distressing and upsetting to see, like, this very kind of realistic type of plane crash. I mean, when the damn door uh, is blown off, and it, like, flies into the propeller and it causes that explosion that was like insane and then like freaking kaido falls out of the plane yeah he falls out of the plane (laughs) has to go save the sunflowers because the painting fell out and he's like (laughs) he falls out as well and he tries to grab the painting in midair and it's like very scary because it's like yeah he's like falling It's through the air, and mid-air, he's, like, trying to grab this painting. He's just eluding him. Obviously, the actual logistics, the, the science behind that makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, Kaido would be dead. <laughs> in the moment, you know, you're you're invested in the scene and, like, the the danger facing the character, but also what he's trying to do. But, yeah, it's also crazy that he, like, in mid-air, he does a summers, he does a flip, and then he bounces off the wing of the plane to go after the yeah. propel himself <laughs> downward to go after the painting. And obviously, we know that Kaito Kid has, like, his, you know, uh, glider. glider, so he can, you know, glide to safety, ultimately. But, yeah. I mean, damn, the Kaito Kid had some insane sequences. Like, let's talk about that, that opening scene. Oh, yeah. He's, like, running through the hallway, and we see it from first-person perspective, and there's this moment where he uses, like, his grappling hook, he wraps it around a dude, and then he uses his, that, that dude is like, an anchor for when he, like, jumps off the balcony, and he, like, swings down. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's weird to think about, because, like, if you look at, say, like... I don't know, Darkest Nightmare or even Zero the Enforcer, like, both of those are very limited in animation most of the times, where, like, in this film, like, at least when their Kaido's around, which yeah. is a good chunk of it, like, they really do go, like, very balls out with the animation. Yeah, the Kaido Kid scenes have some Sakuga, whereas, you know, 
a lot of the other scenes in the film, there are some weaker looking moments, some moments where characters look very off. Yeah. Especially, like, obviously, you know, you can expect that for characters, like, in the background, but, like, there are just scenes where, you know, it's it's just people talking, there are a lot of people in the scene at once, and a lot of them, you know, aren't, like, the most solidly drawn in terms of shapes. They're a little messy. Yeah, I mean... There are some limited moments. Oh, there was, like, this moment, I remember, where there was just a character walking up from the background, but they don't animate her walking, she just, like, slides. Oh, yeah, and That was yeah. noticeable. It was like, oh, they were just sliding an asset there, a model, or whatever. <laughs> they didn't even animate a walking, it was just so noticeable. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's such a smooth slide in such a natural way. That, that good old Conan movie, Jank. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, oh, yeah, did we mention Jirokichi yet? Oh, we didn't even mention really the general plot of the film. It's okay, we should probably do that. Which is basically Jirokichi Suzuki, the richest member of the Suzuki family, I guess, because he blows. $300 million to buy what is discovered to be a previously unknown sunflowers painting by Van Gogh. There were supposed to be only seven, but this was discovered as an eight. It's a replica of the second sunflowers painting that was destroyed during World War II during bombings in Japan. And so, yeah... It is a replica of that, and so now Jirokichi, once he has bought this painting, he's like, now I'm going to hold an exhibition of all the seven existing sunflowers. And so he basically announces that. And then Kaito Kid shows up at this auction place where Jirokichi made the announcement, and then he causes a ruckus, and then he uses the cover of, like, a flash bomb, and I, I think what happens is that... Oh, I think, yeah, he used a dummy that he sent off flying, right? Yeah. Out of the window, and then he disguises himself as Shinichi so that he can board the plane. Because Kaito's goal here, like, everyone thinks, oh, is he after the painting? That's weird. He's usually just after jewels. And, of course, he's not after the painting. He doesn't want to steal the paintings. He wants to protect them because he knows someone is out to destroy them. So he disguises the Shinichi, goes on the plane, to protects the painting from being, like, thrown out of that plane when the culprit blows off the door and whatnot. And then throughout the film, he repeatedly causes incidents to protect the painting from being destroyed or taken away. Yeah. And Conan is trying to figure out what Kaito's deal is before ultimately realizing what he's goal was, and there is also a conflict with an NYPD officer, because Jirokichi hires seven people to help him protect the paintings. You know, seven paintings, seven people, seven samurais, Jirokichi calls them. One of them, of course, is Koguro, and then there are a bunch of other ones. The most notable ones are are, uh, Azuma, who we get a big reveal for his history and how he ties into, like, the second painting later in the film. And then we have Natsumi, who gets a very particular, like, scene when she's introduced that, like, has her, like, looking down, and there's, like, they linger I on her in a way that... I wonder what that Yeah, means. you know, they don't... They, she's 
very suspicious, so the ultimate reveal winner is not a surprise at all. But I do think there's some clever things they do in terms of setting up the seeds for that. And then probably the most significant character in terms of like having a character arc is Charlie, who is an NYPD officer. And he is hired by Jirogichi just to protect the painting in New York at first. But then when Kaito gets involved, he feels obligated to help protect the painting. And so he comes back to Japan with them. And he really feels that Kaicho is a menace and terrorist because he thinks he's the one responsible for the plane hijacking slash bombing that nearly killed a bunch of people. So he's like, okay, this guy's out to kill people. He's dangerous. I am going to get a gun <laughs> given to me by, I guess, I don't know, someone and, uh, who is a comrade of his. He gives him a gun, which are illegal. The specific gun he has are illegal in the country. But he gets the gun, and his plan is like, okay, if I, I get Kaito in my crosshairs, I'm going to shoot to kill. And then... Because America. Yeah, we joke about it a lot. Like, wow, Americans sure love their guns. They're sure really uh, trigger-happy. But he's... The thing is, he's so reasonable. Like, he yeah. has a conversation with Conan. Conan's like, hey, you know, I know you have that thing, and you're planning to use that thing, but remember, like, life is precious, and no one has a right to take a life, really. And he's like, well, I agree with that, but sometimes it deals... Like that, don't work out if someone is like going after you, and so I will do what needs to be done in a way that I feel appropriate, depending on what the situation is, you know. So eventually, you know, he does come around to Kaito because he realizes that, oh, Kaito is trying to protect the paintings, and so at the end of the film, you know, he lets him go. Yeah. So, you know, he was kind of a interesting character. And he was, I enjoyed his presence in the movie because he was, you know, an interesting wild card. Like, obviously, I didn't suspect him once as being, like, the culprit. But, like, he was a character who, like, oh, he's a danger to Kaito, but he's a useful ally to Conan. He actually respects Conan and what he has to say. And he's like, as he's perspective, noticing what Conan notices. Like he goes after Conan when he, when Conan runs to the elevator because he realized that atmospheric pressure in the hotel room that the art director isn't to, to hand off money to Kaito because Kaito like took the, the fifth painting from, uh, the art museum and whatnot. And it was going to return it for money and notices that, oh, the atmospheric pressure is off and that something's up. So yeah, like he he comes to help with that, and yeah, there's just a lot of interesting moments with that character throughout the film. So I like Charlie quite a bit. He was an interesting character, much more so than uh, Kurosawa in movie twenty. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely agree. I mean, as much as I joked about like the gun thing, like yeah, he he did have some genuinely good moments, and by the end, like. Mm-hmm. He is actually reasonable, and he doesn't yeah. try to He's shoot three-dimensional. Him. You know, all cops are bastards, but Charlie, you know, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> the new slogan, all cops are bastards, except, except for Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also have to be impressed by how trusting Americans are always of Conan. Like, first the FBI, now this NYPD officer, they're like, hey, this kid knows what's up. I will trust him to help solve these crimes. He's the freedom whisperer. Yeah. 
I mean, it probably helps that Jirokichi also trusts Conan a lot, and he's like, hey, Conan, you should come along with us. We need your help. Because Conan is, of course, the kid catcher. Whatever. Because he's foiled kids so many times. <laughs> yeah, I do love that name, the kid catcher. Yeah. It's just like, you can read that so wrongly. He's like, <laughs> as if he was like a kidnapper. This little kid is also a kidnapper. That's why the detective boys are always around him. Oh, God. Oh, no, he's holding the hostage in plain sight. <laughs> the place you least expect. I mean... You have to wonder, geez, these kids are always in constant mortal danger. Why do their parents let them hang around Conan? Yeah, by the end of this film, they all would need, like, major therapy. But that's not the end of every freaking case you're involved in. Yeah, There's that's been true. There's so much murder and horror and been so... They're put in so much danger, but they're, like, so chipper. They, like, laugh it off. Like, man, these kids, they are they are not taken aback by none. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe after the first few dead bodies, they might be They become numb to it. They're desensitized uh, very thoroughly. Cause I, f- I forget, the first time, like, they see, like, a dead body in person, Ayumi, like, freaks out and starts, like, crying. That's, like, an episode streak. Is it? Yeah, because they're there... In the anime, at least, they crash, like, the uh, first murder case that Yoko Kino was involved in. Like, they tag along, and they so they see the dead body. The, the body th- those, weren't the, those weren't the detective boys, though. No, they were there. They were? They were there in the anime. They The case where, you know, the guy, like, got stabbed in the back with the ice cube, and the knife in the ice cube, remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They're okay. there in that episode. I do not remember this. They oh. are. Well, okay then. Yeah. That's episode three of the show. And so... Were they there in the manga, though? I don't think they are in the manga. Okay, then that, that they, might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but the anime, they are. They've seen even more horrors in the anime. Yeah. PMS just wants kids to be traumatized, clearly. Yeah. But anyway, so... Other interesting... Another interesting subplot to this film that ties into the climax is, so one of the sunflowers paintings, and this is true, it's at a museum in Japan. It's the fifth sunflowers painting. It is at the Sampo Japan Museum of Art. And so that's a setting for part of the film, in the middle of the film. And so there's a subplot, there's this uh Plot point introduced about this elderly woman. She comes and always sits in front of this sunflowers painting. And there's a scene where she just talks to Hybera about, like, you know, lost love, unrequited love, you know. And, she, and it's like, maybe think, oh, is Hybera going to get a subplot related to this woman? And Hybera really does not have any subplot in this film. She's just, like, there to, to talk to this woman to get this exposition about this backstory. She's there for moral support. Yeah. But, like, the. Elderly woman's connection with the film ties in in a very sweet way to like, you know, why Kaido wanted to protect, the, uh, wanted to protect the painting as discussed earlier is because you know G knew this woman and he knew her story because he was there obviously and so now that the painting that she, you know her lover 
actually risked her life to protect has returned to Japan. He wanted her to see it and didn't want it to be destroyed mm. by the culprit. And oh, the other twist in this is, is that it's not, there were eight paintings that Van Gogh created, I think, but what actually turns out to be case is that the one that was salvaged, the one that was discovered, was actually the real second painting, because the second painting was saved by that elderly woman's uh, husband. And that, that was taken away for protection. It somehow found its way to Arles, uh, where Van Gogh's home was. And so that's where one of the samurai, quote-unquote, the uh, Jirogichi hired Azuma and his brother, like, they discovered it and they wanted to return it they were in a conflict over whether they were going to return it to Japan or they were going to return it to, you know, Van Gogh's home. I thought, like, one of them wanted to destroy it. Because, uh, like, he was pointing a gun at the painting. I think because, <laughs> no, like, well, he wanted to return it to Van Gogh. Like, he, somehow he got, like, obsessed with this idea of returning it to Van Gogh for some reason. But then he was, because he got in an argument with his brother, like, he tried to just destroy the painting. Oh, and yeah. so they got into a fight over the gun. And unfor- he ended up getting shot in the stomach. Which is how Van Gogh was shot and died mm. in real life. So, uh, there's an, that's another thing about this film that's interesting, is that they did a lot of research to Van Gogh's history and made some really interesting mysteries and connections uh, involving his paintings and other paintings and themes and messages in his works. And then also, you know, the history of the man himself. Like, you know, the entire death scene of Ozma's brother, like him getting shot and then him walking on this field. Uh, and just even the location of where he dies, like all of it's supposed to be reminiscent of you know, Van Gogh, how he died and where he died and stuff like that. So that was very interesting. Obviously, also the, the relationship between the Asuma brothers is also meant to parallel, be a reflection of a relationship between Vincent and Tio, you know, Van Gogh's brother. So I thought that stuff was very interesting as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the mysteries they come up with the paintings, like using the Bersus triptych as a coded clue from Kid to uh, point out that the fifth sunflowers was in danger. You know, that was very interesting. And, yeah, again, I think that they use very clever uses of like these real paintings for clues and this real history for the story. Like this entire idea of the one of the paintings that was destroyed in Japan before being uh, rediscovered and then also another painting that was also in Japan that is still literally actually in Japan also is getting targeted. And we actually see in the Angelic scene like the sunflowers in the museum. Like there's live action footage of like New York and Arles and Van Gogh's home and then the sunflowers in the Sampo Art Museum. So, yeah, that was all really cool. I appreciated the research. Yeah. And it was actually a well-written, like, mystery. Because even though you know, obviously, okay, Gabitsu Kaito is not trying to destroy these paintings or kill these people. Like, what is he trying to do? Why is he trying to do it? It's an interesting mystery. The culprit 
and you know, we'll get. I guess we'll just spoil who the culprit is. The culprit is Natsumi, and really, there's only a few people who could it be because even though there's seven samurai, quote unquote, introduced, you know, they're they're not all. Like, most of them don't do anything. Yeah, like most of them don't have that much character to them. Uh, they just like talk about things. Like really, the notable characters are Natsumi and Asma. And Natsumi is just so sus, like constantly. Not obviously, there's they linger on her during the introduction scene, like her looking down and feel, looking a little guilty-ish, like before her having her name called when she's being introduced. And then, of course, there's just such. It's just so kind of obvious, like in the art museum, like they try to lift up like this. They're trying to protect the fifth painting from Misoma because they think kids gonna be stealing it. So, you know, they're boxing it away, and so she and some other people are, like, lifting the cover to the box, and there's a kid card stuck under the box. She drops a cell phone to the ground so that someone else would, like, come and pick it up, Because and her plan is clearly, like, she dropped the phone so someone else would crouch down so that they would notice a kid card under the cover. That guy doesn't notice a kid, uh, Conan notices it. But, like, that's obviously her plan. And then she takes the card and she, like, reads it aloud. Like, oh, my gosh, it's a kid card, everyone. So, like, she's so obviously drawing attention to it and making a big deal of it. And then when they inspect the painting to see, like, if whether it's the real deal or a uh, fake, the kid is substituted in. Like, she's the one who examines it. And she gives, like, this weak answer. It's like, ah, oh, you know... I can't really tell without my equipment. If it's it's a forgery, it really looks convincing. Hey, why don't you let me take it back to my workshop? Totally not. So <laughs> like it's it's so obvious. And then she, it's her idea Ugh. to plant the sunflowers in Jirokichi's like tubular exhibit in the Cape Mountain or whatever. And then also she has she uses turpentine in her work and turpentine is sprayed all over the flowers to make it all lighter. lighter. Yeah, like everything flammable, so she can burn it down easily. Yeah, I mean it's very obvious. Like she was the the person, but like even so, even though it was obvious, like I still thought that uh, the seeing how things uh, developed. Was still very fun to watch, and I did almost feel like we were trying for a swerve at the Ozma reveal because there were seeds to that whole subplot of like the fact that of how the painting was discovered and someone died and whatnot. But yeah, it it did cause a swerve. It was like, wait a minute. So wait, it wasn't this girl. It was this guy? But no, it was actually the girl. But that was kind of an interesting, like, wrench that kind of chewed you for a loop. And then when you went back to, like, oh, no, no, I know. It is what's going, what we thought was going on is what's going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the very least, Natsume would be a very bad Among Us player. Because he immediately <laughs> sucks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think, like, overall, the mystery, yeah. it's, it's obvious in a way, but... In Conan, like, a lot of the time, it's, like, usually obvious who the killer or the it's suspect sometimes is. Sometimes they can surprise you. Sometimes, but a lot of the time, it's more, like, you thinking, okay, how yeah, did how did they do it? Rather than who it is. Yeah, in this case, it's not the how did they do it part is also not that 
hard to figure out. I guess one thing that I'll say is a disappointment I had was that I was hoping for more of a interesting reason for why she did what she did. She's just an insane golf fanatic. Yeah, she's an insane Van Gogh fanatic who was under the delusion that the second and fifths are fakes, but they aren't. They were praised and discovered to be the real deal. And it's just like, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm such a big Van Gogh fan. I'm willing to die for the art. And Conan's like, no, you're not. You had escape routes planned on the plane and you ran out with everyone else in the evacuation of the exhibit. You're a phony. A phony. <laughs> phony. <laughs> oh, my God. Just want, I just want the Holden Caulfield character from Family Guy to just show up oh, and no. yell phony to this person. <laughs> That'd be really funny. But yeah, it's like, she's just a crazy fanatic, but like her motivations are pretty shallowish. Like the depth that comes in is really, again, kid's relationship with G, G's relationship with this woman, and that whole sweet angle of like wanting to have this woman see the sunflowers or has her lover risked her life the same. Mm-hmm. Though I wish also we had more of a conclusion to that because after we see the woman in the exhibit, but like after what like when the fire starts and like everyone's evacuating, we don't really see the woman after that scene of her like in the muse- exhibit crying. Yeah, that's kind of how where like it ends for her, which is weird. Yeah, because they, I mean, they because they still talk about like that backstory later because yeah, because uh, I guess this is another thing is that that uh, man that died that was that woman's lover is also like Ozma's grandfather or whatever. Mm. So like that's also like why he went to discover the where the second painting was, and then also wanted to protect the paintings. Which is why he joined up with Jirakichi. Yeah. Honestly, it probably would have been better to have the after credit scene be about, like, yeah. her and Ozma instead of, like, I a wish. random Agasa gag. Yeah, I really wish. Like, the Agasa gag was, like, kind of pointless. Like, oh, he missed out on the exhibit. And for some reason, the ticket is taped to his back. And there's a kid. But there's a kid symbol on it. For some reason, I don't really get it. I think maybe. Oh, now it's I'm putting two together. I think somehow. Somehow Kid must have stolen his ticket? Probably. Yeah, okay, so now it's now it's clicking together. Kid probably stole his ticket and then he left a note on his jacket. Take <laughs> to his jacket saying like probably sorry or something. I had to sign this. Because the reason cause Yurgiji had set up like this big like security system that had feature recognition system, uh, software and whatnot, and you have to like order you have to like do this lottery system to get your tickets and you have to give all this information and stuff. So Shinichi was given a ticket. So I guess that was mailed to his house. I guess he stole both Shinichi's ticket and Agasa's ticket. Maybe. Oh yeah, because I guess like well no, G would be able to get in regardless. Because so. G was being disguised as Goto, uh, yeah. existence, which that was also an interesting like uh, swerve. Like you were wondering, okay, what's up with this guy? Because I'm pretty sure this guy is in the series. So yeah, he, he appeared he in the uh, Iron Tanuki case, which, which also shows up. Yeah, as well as Lupin, uh, Jirichi's dog, who wears yeah. like the air 
playing the Captain Goggles, and he saves Yurikichi's life because he recognizes the, the flammable turpentine bomb that Natsumi sent to try and kill him and get the exhibit canceled. Now that's Dogo goals right there. Yeah, and <laughs> I am surprised and disappointed that this dog did not meet Lupin in the crossover film. Yeah, we need another Lupin yeah, crossover. Yeah, so Lupin can meet Lupin the dog. Yeah, Lupin Lupin team up. Yeah. I mean, that's why they really should make the Kaido Kid versus Lupin film, so Jirokichi and his dog Lupin will show up in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I did like the Iron Tanuki reference, because that mm-hmm. is probably one of my favorite kid cases, just because mm-hmm. it's so, like, weirdly not a usual kid case, because of how, like... Yeah, because he, kid... he tricks Kid into committing the crime for yeah. him so he can I mean, save his dog. It's not even really tricking Kid, he basically just hires Kid. He's yeah. like, hey, just, like, open the case. I, I don't care anymore. Save my dog. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Goto thing was very interesting. It's like, is a kid disguised as a guy? Like, what's what's the deal? And then you're like, oh yeah, gee! That, and it makes sense, like, why he was crying when he was stealing the data for Jirikichi's exhibition layout and stuff like that. So, okay. Hmm. It was nice. And I, it was fun paying attention to his, like, reactions to things. Because when you realize, oh, it's G disguised as Goto, like, how he reacts <laughs> to certain bits of information, like, some things he does, it's kind of interesting to see, oh, this is what his plan. Like, he, he lingers at the monitors for just an extra second so he can get Conan to notice that the second and fifth paintings, they aren't being saved. Mm, and yeah. also when they're running to the elevators, like he's really out of breath. Also another clue that he's like, you know, the old man. He's a boomer instead of like or a fit goto. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's quite a few nice little hints there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the I also appreciated how they used Ron. Like Ron actually got to have a cool moment where they needed her help to like break like that pillar that was lodged in between the uh, painting escape system that Yurikichi installed by Natsumi. Like, she mm. she jammed, like, this, you know, pillar in there, and they needed her help to, like, break it and the wall so the painting could be retracted. So I like that Ran had that, although then she's immediately, like, not conscious and damseled, and I feel very bad for her. I, I feel bad for her for most of this film. Yeah, I mean, most of Conan, really, right? Maybe she really is in an abusive relationship. She's definitely not in a healthy one, because she's constantly lied to, you know? Yeah. And also constantly put in danger, but not being told why, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, her breakdown at, like, near the beginning of the film with, like, the planes crash. Yeah, I mean, she thinks that he could have died in that plane crash. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? And then... <laughs> Shinichi's just like, uh, sorry, Ron, I'm chasing a kid right now, we'll talk later. And it's like so flippant, but she's just so relieved that no, he's even alive, no, he can't spare any time for her feelings. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, and Sonoko didn't have much to do, necessarily, but I enjoyed her being in a PR role for Jirikichi <laughs> for some reason, because I guess, I don't know, they can't get her mom or sister to do it because they aren't in the show much. I guess we know what Sonoka will be doing in the future. Yeah, I mean, she'll pro- she's a Harris. She'll probably inherit the business, I guess. Yeah. You know. And then she'll have to hunt down Kid. 
I I think she'll hunt him down for different reasons than Jirakichi. Like, she is, like, one of his ardent defenders for most of the films. Like, Kid would never kill people, or you're, you're all suspecting him too wrongly. Yeah, I mean, she she's definitely a kid fangirl to the very end. And, yeah, I appreciate the Conan Kid team up at the end. Like, they really trust each other, and, like, when Kid is, like, trying to save the painting, and Conan runs by, he's like, oh, Kid, good, you're here, like, here, I need your help. Like, they, they trust each other, they work together really well, like, Kid is like, hey, I, you know, I could probably escape with myself, but, you know, I wouldn't be able to escape with you, so let's find a solution to escape together. And Conan's like, hey, no, can you just take Ron? And he's like, no, Kid. But then Conan's like, hey, just do this for me, and Kid's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take Ron. And then he, when Ron wakes up and she thinks he should, he's like, yeah, don't worry, I'll protect you. Like, I, I know there's some sweet moments with Kid and Conan, and Kid's fate in Conan, and, like, like he's, like, also, oh, man, Kid, you gotta get out of there. And I know I'm, like, a, a confusing Kid as the name for Kid, <laughs> like, a, <laughs> the label for Conan, but, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I like their relationship. That's another thing that makes this movie more, more, I think, entertaining for me is like the dynamic between Conan and Kid and like how they're trying to communicate with each other throughout the film is very interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, like <laughs> the fact that Kid leaves clues for Conan because he trusts and knows Conan to pr- help him protect the, these paintings is very nice. Yeah, it's well thought out in that way. And I think, yeah, seeing that kind of cooperation between uh, Kaito and Kona is, like, really nice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that entire climate, again, like, the intense, over-the-top, like, action scene parts, like, you know, normally I don't like these over-the-top parts in Conan. I feel they get away from what Conan is, but, like, here... I think the plane crash worked really well. That was, like, kind of a believably intense situation. The, like, cave collapse and all that towards the end was a little over-over-the-top for a situation for the characters to find themselves in. But, like, again, I think just the stakes and the character relationships were strong enough that it was compelling. And, like, it wasn't very intense about all these rocks you know, crashing around, around them, it really did make me go, oh shit, they're in some, they're in some trouble here. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I think overall, I enjoyed a lot of this movie, and I enjoyed the dub, especially, you know? Yeah. I think that all the characters are really sounding well into their roles, I really enjoyed the actor who's playing Kid's performance, and I think Xander Mobius was a huge improvement as Kogoro in this film, like, he felt so much more natural. And, uh, you know, it's obviously still going to be a while for, you know, I can get over my impressions of R. Bruce Elliott and his performance in the role. And, of course, the Japanese Seiyu's uh, performances, like, they're still, like, sticking in my mind. So, I, you know, I still compare uh, his performance in my head to theirs. But, you know, he, he did a really good job, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think the dub is definitely gradually improved with mm-hmm. every film. Yeah, I um, also warmed up to Erica Mendez's Hybra, even though she also yeah. doesn't have that much to do. I'm like warming up to her performance too, and then uh, Agassiz's voice actor performance. You know, getting over the German, the lack of the German accent now. You know, it's it's it still sounded pretty good now. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to double check here. Uh, 
who is the ADR director on this film? Because, I mean, I'm interested in who Kid's actor was, or did we know that before? Um, I'm probably the same actor as Shinichi, though, right? Yeah, it should be. Okay, so the English voice director was Julie Cleaver. Hmm. Or Cliver. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, and then, where the heck's Kid on here? Oh, there we go. Kid, the Phantom Thief, Griffin Burns. Same right, as yeah. As I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we had heard Kid a few times before, because, like, Yeah, he had every a time, on episode one. Yeah. One thing I realized is that they didn't dub the, uh, next movie preview this time around. Mm. Did they do that with when we watched... Darkest Nightmare? Darkest Nightmare? Yeah, they did. They did? Oh. I don't remember it. Maybe I just forgot. Hmm. Well, I mean, we already know what the plot of the is, I guess, so. Yeah. People are like, huh. Because, really I mean, them? with the way Team is releasing these, it'd be like, you know, really, you should be probably dubbing backwards these previews, right? <laughs> you should probably put in the preview for 17, because that's the next one we're anticipating. I guess. Or 18. 18 is the next one we're anticipating. Dimensional Sniper. Yeah. I mean, like, it'll be interesting to think, like, by the end of this, the older films will probably sound better voice performance-wise than the newer films. That's true. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how far back they'll dub. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that, like, as far as I can tell, like, they aren't keeping the same, like, uh, voice direction or, like, script writing staff for each film. It's changing. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, obviously, like, people are busy. They can't always stick around for everything. Right. But it's it's weird, though, like, yeah, there isn't necessarily that consistency in a way. But I don't, I'm not sure how much is definitely affecting the performances either. Because, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, TMS is going to have, like, final say on, like, how things sound. Right. Well, all I'll say is I think that the dub is continuing to improve with each and every installment that they work on. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I probably can say this since I'm, I'm, I assume the interview will be out soon or by the time this is, uh, up. But yeah, I mean, like, when I was talking to, uh, Steve Staley, uh, for my interview for TF about kind of, like, how restrictive, like, say, like, uh, TMS or, like, even working on Conan Episode 1 was. He said it really wasn't any different than, say, working on Demon Slayer. Okay. Which, I mean, makes sense, because, like, yeah, I mean, they're both big properties, and they would both have kind of the same regulations. But it definitely seems like, for the most part, they kind of trust that, like, Bang Zoom knows what they're doing. <laughs> Yeah. So they aren't going to necessarily be like, no, you have to do it this way. <laughs> Heiji needs more of an Osaka accent. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I actually... Have I heard Heiji's voice yet? Well, he was in episode one, right? He had one line. Yeah. One. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need to watch uh, Crimson Love Letter still and review that. And then I guess you're in the Forcer too. Mm, yeah. I mean, Zero the Enforcer is uh, pretty average, but I, I really like Crimson Love Letter. It's yeah. really good. 
But, uh, you know, I think that's kind of our goal, is that we want to review all these Conan movies as they come on and get dubbed. And then we also want to review some Lupin films, you know, kind of a TMS power duo there. We have plenty of Lupin films we keep getting, and it'd probably be a fun idea to go through them. So many of the specials are still getting released. I mean, I think we should just go through it all in as chronological in order as possible, so we can also probably collect the other specials. Yeah, time to scoop up those DVDs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of like an ongoing thing that we want to do on app movies every couple episodes. But of course, we'll also be reviewing newer releases too. As well, like I'm pretty sure we'll review your Waken the Witch and other films, so that's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, but uh, do we have any other thoughts on Sunflowers Inferno we want to discuss before closing off? Hmm. Yeah, not really. I mean, overall, I enjoyed it, it was fun, mm-hmm. way better than Dark's Nightmare, so that's a big plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a good time with Sunflowers Inferno, it really did bring the heat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, by the end. <laughs> literally, yeah. I mean, though, and it didn't come all crashing down, like Darkest Nightmare. Although, even yeah. though, ironically, because literally it does all come crashing down. <laughs> oh, but God. The plot wasn't wet, even though the characters were by the end of this film. Mm. Ironically. <laughs> Shade. It wasn't all washed up. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Good film. I would recommend it. This really one of the funner Conan films I've watched so far. Mm, agreed. But, yeah. Until the next time, I guess, where can the good people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at VLoreGTZ. And then I write occasional articles and editorials for TanamiFaithful.com as well as manga and light novel reviews for All-Comic.com so you can check out all of those. But I also host three podcasts of my own. Uh, the first of which is the Demon Slayer Podcast, which is on Twitter at DSlayer Podcast. Then there's the Oversoul Shaman King Podcast, which is on Twitter at Shaman King Pod. And then I have my general anime and manga podcast, the Dumb Weebs Podcast, which is on Twitter at Dumb Weebs Pod. And then I'm also occasionally on... um. The Tanami Faithful Podcast, which is on Twitter at Tanami Podcast. And yeah, so if you ever hear me out there, uh, give it a listen. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely do. We lords on a lot of podcasts and run on a lot, so definitely check all that out. As for me, you can find me, I'm on Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else by that name, wherever there's a Lamarayasha, that's where you can find me. I'm just an analyst. Where have you? And like Van Gogh, I'm also an artist, though I haven't cut off my ear yet. <laughs> you can find my art at Sid Artworks, where I continue to post like all the thumbnails I do for the show and other art I make there. And I'll continue to do so unless I get shot in the stomach mysteriously, oh maybe by V Lord as the theory <laughs> that Tio shot Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully, <laughs> unlike the Ozma brothers, our relationship does not parallel that of the Van Gogh brothers. Yeah, they've kind of wrapped up. Yeah. 
But you come to read my reviews on all-gamer.com too. I write a lot of reviews on there for manga. We've got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out. So look forward to that on there. And as for the show, the Manga Mavericks podcast and add movies, you can find us on Twitter, manga underscore Mavericks, on Tumblr, manga com. And YouTube, you just let's see slash my or just search for the channel in, in the search bar, you'll find it. Also on every podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are on it. And if you want to support the show, you can give us some great feedback by sending us an email to mongaros at gmail.com. We love hearing your guys' thoughts and comments and your suggestions. What do you think about Sunflowers Inferno, what are your thoughts on Conan movies in general? Just let us know. We love hearing your guys' thoughts and what you think. But if you want to support the show and help us continue producing podcasts and doing what we're doing, you can head over to patreon.com slash where we have like a variety of tiers where you can pledge to donate to our podcast and help us, you know, keep making content. And we have some cool rewards for you on our Patreon. We have early access available for a lot of our podcasts on our $2 tier. Whenever you have a podcast done early, patrons at our $2 tier can get to listen to them early. At our $3 tier, we're also offering early access to a new podcast by Colton and Sakaki, frequent collaborators of ours, uh, where they are going through Dragon Ball, the entire anime franchise, and it's called Another Day, Another Adventure, and you can listen to episodes of that early on there. And then at our $5 tier, we have a monthly patron bonus podcast exclusive to our patrons, and currently our bonus podcast project for that is one where Colton and Doctor are going through Saint Seiya, Basically two volumes at a time, and they're basically wrapping up Poseidon and entering Hades right now, so entering the final arc. So definitely going to be curious on the top on there, and we also have, like, basically a year and a half worth of bonus pods already available to you to listen to, including more at movies episodes, and this was a manga fight, big retrospectives of various manga series, and tons more available for you on our Patreon. And... Any support you can give us just really helps us, you know, continue producing podcasts. And we really, really are grateful and appreciate it. But, yeah, I think that's about does it for this episode of the Manga Marks App Movies podcast. It looks like the sun is setting and the flowers need to go back into protective custody. And they need to be separated again. The sunflowers, they all came together for this big exhibit, and now they have to go off in their own separate ways again, just like we have to go off on our own separate ways. Okay. I will have to say that uh, I am... It's kind of a bummer that Jiriguchi spent, like, first $300 million and then 10 billion yen... And then how, how much more, I don't know, to make this exhibit and does it even happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd assume now that, like, kids all longer in the picture. lost so much money. But now that kids no longer in the picture, couldn't he display them somewhere else, but maybe? But at the end, it's they say that the exhibit's been canceled outright. Oh, right. Shit. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that he did waste all that money. Yeah, and like, how does he have that much money to waste? Like, Jesus Christ. He's the Jeff Bezos yeah, of the Conan Yeah, just like world. Jeff Bezos, I don't trust the wealth that he's accumulated. <laughs> like, even though he seems pretty kind, and like, when the people are like, hey, can you do me a favor? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you a favor. Like, how did he accumulate all this wealth? Like, you don't accumulate that much wealth without stealing it from <laughs> your workers. <laughs> It's best we don't think about it. Yeah, it's just like fantastically rich in a way that doesn't make sense if you critically examine the implications. Because it's also at odds with his character because he's not a miser or a or or cheap with money. Yeah. It's not like, it doesn't seem like he is a cheapskate that he pays people not with their work. So yeah. it doesn't make sense why he's uh, this ridiculously rich otherwise. But we'll just pretend, oh, somehow he made all his money through investments. <laughs> Leave it at that. But yes, yes. We'll leave you with those questions to ponder the ethics of <laughs> the wealth of multi-billionaires <laughs> on this episode of Our on Movies. And scene. Let me